0: The Man of God Network exists to help the church in her mission to identify and equip qualified faithful men for the gospel ministry and for the recovery of biblical reformation in our day. It's our joy to provide you with resources that both encourage you and edify you as you seek to build Christ's church where you are, to the end that He is better known, loved, and exalted. We appreciate the support of our listeners. To learn more about how you can help us accomplish our mission, visit manofgodnetwork.com. The Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to The Covenant Podcast. My name is Dewey Doval and it is my privilege to interview Douglas Barger for today's conversation on particular Baptist heritage books. Brother Douglas, welcome to The Covenant Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Dewey. So appreciate your guys' podcast. I've uh, been coming more familiar with it in more recent history and uh, enjoy what you guys are doing. And thanks for having me on today.
0: Oh, well, it's our joy to have you on today, brother. And Douglas, since you're a first time guest on our show, would you be willing just to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and all that the Lord is doing in your current ministry endeavors?
1: Uh yeah yeah you know I'm just uh, I'm an average sinner saved by grace brother. Um, our uh, our church I I have the privilege of pastoring Christ Reform Baptist Church or a church plant uh, out of Indianapolis from the Bible Study Chapel. We are in our sixth year, um, and the Lord is just blessing our church. Um, we're growing, you know, in the truth of God's word, seeking to be consistent and faithful. As a local church, where we are at, and um, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of a little bit about myself. Uh, do you want more of that, or how I how I ended up getting there? Or?
0: Sure, we we love uh, as much details as you feel led to share with our listeners. Always good to get better acquainted with our um, our interviewees.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know my uh, my background is I, I didn't I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Uh, grew up in the inner city of Indianapolis. Um, me and my wife, we married. Neither one of us were Christians. Neither one of us, like I said, come from Christian homes. And, um, you know, early on in our marriage, uh, you have two sinners that are uh, having a lot of problems, things of that nature. And it just so happened to be that her sister was married to a Baptist minister, uh, Pastor Cleve Morton, who is uh, still the minister of Bible Study Chapel. And, um, I, you know, I told her at that point, uh, now that I look back, I know that the Lord was really drawing me to himself, but I was just totally ignorant of it. But I told her uh, facing, you know, just some of the consequences of sin in our marriage and things like that. I I said, you know, I, I think that w- w- something that would help us is, is if we go to uh, your brother-in-law's church. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, you know, this is just uh, a, a marriage improvement, a life improvement, you know, decision. And uh, little did I know I was going to end up being faced with the truth of the gospel of just, uh, you know, what a a sinner I was, but also faced with the reality that uh, God loved me so much that he sent his only begotten son to pay the price that I couldn't pay. And so it was there at this little inner city Baptist church uh, in you know the east side of Indianapolis that uh, Pastor Morton was just faithful uh, Sunday in and Sunday out proclaiming the true gospel of Christ. That uh, I come under the you know the burden and the conviction of the calling of the irresistible calling of God's grace in my life, and uh, I I counted 2001. You know you know how it is, Dewey. You you go through a process. I believe there's steps in leading to this point. But in uh, December 29, 2001, brothers, you know, and classic. I always tell people it was classic uh, Finney style. You know, right in the middle of a service. This is kind of a. Uh, Not a good tradition that was, you know, in my understanding, but I I felt like I had to go to the altar, you know, and lay it all down there and uh, just repent and and ask Christ to save my soul and be Lord of my life. And so that was in 2001. And, um, you know, I I just give you the Cliff No version, but four years pass, and um, I I feel called to to help and to serve in any capacity. And, And so the church, you know, I just under Pastor Morton was. Uh, discipled, uh, given opportunity to help uh, ministerially in different aspects. And then in uh, 2006, I was ordained uh, by Pastor Morton and the founding pastor there, Shay Mahiran. That was in 2006. And then, um, interestingly, I didn't really get any kind of formal training uh, in ministry until four or five years after I had already been doing the work, uh, you know, uh, teaching the adult Sunday school class and helping out in various capacities and uh, so that's when I enrolled at London Reformed Baptist Seminary, Um, and then in 2015 is when we left the Bible Study Chapel to come and plant Christ Reformed Baptist Church, and that's uh, where we've been since then, and uh, so yeah, just continue to, like I said, uh, seek to be faithful to the Lord, and His calling in His local church is kind of where we're at now.
0: Amen. Well, it's certainly encouraging to hear your testimony and just to reflect on the incredible providence of God to orchestrate all those details to lead you to saving faith and then ultimately to bring you to the point where you are now as a faithful minister of the gospel. So we're certainly grateful for all the men and women like you uh, who are faithful to where God calls them after salvation. And that really brings us to where we're going to be spending the uh, the majority of our discussion today. Um, As I noted previously, we're going to be focusing on um, the subject of particular Baptist heritage books, which is something that you are really involved with, I would love for you to share with our listeners maybe some of the details about how this ministry came into being and how specifically you're involved with that ministry.
1: Yeah, sure. So Particular Baptist Heritage Books or you know, the acronym PBHB, uh, you know, first of all, it's just a little bit about what it is. It's a, it's a nonprofit publishing ministry that's connected uh, with our church, CRBC in Newcastle, Indiana. Uh, I serve as the general editor, and my primary responsibility is to just make sure that the direction we're heading with it is in accord with all of our goals, which is really kind of straightforward. Is it's to strengthen local Baptist churches through the republication and distribution of our historic particular Baptist or Calvinistic Baptist uh literary heritage. And um, so I serve in that capacity. You know, I have a lot of nuts and bolts uh, tweaking and, and, and working behind the scenes to just make sure those things are working in that direction. I have spent uh, a little over the past decade um, putting together an infrastructure of, you know, the necessary knowledge, resources, um, material sourcing. Um, also the, the equipment to really be able to produce high quality we like to call them heirloom quality books just nice hardbacked book cloth you know gold foil stamped um, books uh, to get it to this point point. and the Lord two years ago providentially brought uh, a young man to our church who was really a missing key because you know do you in order to make this really work for anybody that knows anything about publishing books you have to have a guy who is the grease in the gears you know i mean you got to have someone sitting at a desk doing the copy editing the word for word comparison uh you got to have a guy who's doing the formatting all that pre-publication work before it even gets to the point of coming over to the book bindery side for for production and that's the most labor intensive part so um this 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 fellow he came and um uh, that's our copy editor uh, a, a young a young man from our church AJ Hammerker uh, give a shout out to AJ I know he's probably going to be hearing this he likes your guys' podcast um and um so yeah so th- that's that's kind of where that's kind of how it, it it got started uh, that's kind of you know the history behind it there was a, a decade of just building up to this point and then we really uh didn't launch this um publicly I would say until about a a year ago, a year and a half ago. Um, And, you know, our main goal was then just to put our confessional catechetical standards of the 17th century particular Baptists in a very high quality format, like they'd never been done before. Um, And so we rolled those out. We're right now, you know, working on some things, but sure. We'll get into that in a moment, but um, yeah, the particular Baptist heritage books, that's just, that's, that's kind of who we are. Um, You know, we work with an advisory board, we're rooted and connected with our local church, but we have an advisory board consisting of other Calvinistic Baptist pastors, uh, one h- historian, who um, you know they we run works. I'll run works by them that we're that we're going to interest be interested in publishing. I get their feedback. Uh, we're not seeking to reinvent old controversies, uh, but at the same time, we do have to be mature enough. I would suggest uh, that is Calvinistic Baptists. We do have to be mature enough um, to be able to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, Most societies, you know, of reformed communities, there's nuances in their men and their history that maybe they don't entirely agree with. But, you know, there's a lot to a particular author that is of much value and contribution to the larger uh, stream of theology that we need to, you know, embrace and study and, and so forth and so on. And so that's kind of our team, you know, our our our, our, our church team, and um, and also the advisory board team, kind of how how we function. Um, so, did that answer your question, or did you have some more to flesh out?
0: I know that was perfect, and sounds like a great team. I'll also give a shout out to AJ. Love to hear that we have uh, some listeners to the Covenant Podcast in your circles, Douglas. And also want to give a shout out from the Covenant Podcast to the work that God has. Already been doing through PBHB, um, you know. Austin was telling me before we had the opportunity to record today's show, and um, I uh, unfortunately he's not able to join us today. But he wanted to tell me that he has really enjoyed the um, first and second London Baptist Confessions, as well as the Baptist Catechism that has been released through PBHB. So, I want to make sure that uh, we give credit where credits due from the Covenant Podcast to the uh, incredible work that the Lord is allowing y'all to carry out and. If you'd like to, Douglas, for the benefit of our listeners who may be interested in purchasing a copy of the uh, First or Second London Baptist Confession or the Baptist Catechism that has been produced through PBHB, could you share some details about um, where they can access that particular or those particular
1: works and uh, maybe some
0: of the details about how those works came into being.
1: Yeah, so all of our works of course to be available on our website and the website is particularbaptistbooks.com. So these titles that we're talking about right now they're they're on there. We are right now, um, actually, they're working on it. My son, Nolan, uh, I should have mentioned him. He's uh, hes 16 years old. He's working at the Bindery, too. Uh, you know, it's summer, so he's got a lighter load for his schoolwork. And uh, he's out there right now putting the headbands and the satin bookmarks on the Orthodox Catechism by Hercules Collins. Um, again, that's going to be printed and bound in an edition that's never been done before. Um, but specifically that's where you can go to order our books, all of our titles that will ever become available. And a little thing that makes, um, our editions unique, um, is that number one, the the way they're formatted, you know, they're just really high quality book cloth. Um, the, 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 even down to, we, we even focus even the, the, the quality of paper that we're using, um, the color of the paper, so forth and so on, but The feedback. I'll just tell you the feedback we've gotten from customers so far, uh, which has been pastors and then also laymen in the churches. They they love how it's a very simple approach, but I don't know why it's never been done before. But we have embedded in the confessions and catechisms the text themselves. We have two translations we offered in the King James uh, Authorized Version translation and also the New King James. Uh, We've been contacted by people saying, "Hey, can I get one in the Na the NASB and the ESV?" And we're like, "Guys." we can't afford to print like that many different translations, you know? So we picked these two, uh, one's a modern one, more, one's more archaic, but um we're, we're hoping, you know, people will receive those. But one thing that we've received is, by way of feedback is that by having the actual words of scripture embodied in these confessional and catechetical standards, they really tremendously lend themselves to the devotional quality that really they deserve. Um, We have, in my own family, we've been experiencing that. So let me just paint a picture for you, you know, what makes our additions really in and of themselves worth the price, this one simple aspect of having the scriptures embedded in the document itself. So like we're going, you know, through the Baptist Catechism, we'll read We'll do our our Bible reading. This is just how my family does it. We'll read our Bible reading in a chapter of the Bible. We're going to do Mark right now, the book of Mark. And then after we get in with that, we read a question, uh, and then we answer the question together. So someone in the family will get to, you know, we're, we just rotate. So like Nene, my young daughter, it's her turn, right? She'll read the question. And then as a family, we answer. And then, brother, you know, it's right there. I mean, we could flip through the Bible and find it all, but it's just so convenient because let's just be honest, Dewey. Um, I don't even know. I didn't. We didn't get to know, ask one another. I you not know what your family context is, but I mean, you know, I, I work in construction and, you know, when I come home from work, brother, and I take off my boots at the end of the day, I mean, I confess, I got to say a prayer, Lord, you know, help me go in here and lead my family now because I'm tired and, you know, and maybe I've had a bad day, but, you know, I still want to do the most precious thing there is on this side of heaven and that's be with my family and worship of god and so we it's right there and i just conveniently will look at my family and i'll say okay so this is what this catechism says but you know is this in the word of god we believe that this is what the word of god teaches And boom, it's right there. And we read the scriptures. And it it, it's almost like the catechism with the scriptures embedded in it right there, like that. It's like the catechism serves as a springboard, which makes my responsibility as a father to lead my family spiritually just that much more easier to do. It's a springboard. I read you know, I read the verse and I say, Oh yeah. So we see how that Christ is the redeemer of God's elect, and we see how Christ is this eternal son you know, both God and man forever. And it's just right there in the Bible. And so just you can imagine the impact that that has on my children when they see that what dad's saying is rooted and anchored in the word of God. And we know faith comes by hearing, amen, and hearing by the word of God. And so as they see this, and as it's being demonstrated to them, they're going to see it's not the the words of a mere father or uh, or a mere man. These are the very living words of God. And I'm do i i I have faith brother that that the Holy Spirit you know what I mean his word is not going to come back to him void, and he will bless that in his own sovereign way, so um kind of rambling here a little bit, you know my family worship aspect, you asked me a question you know the sec- the first second uh London confessions, the Baptist catechisms uh the way the format we're doing them including the scripture index i mean including the scriptures in the pages, but also the quality of the book. Uh, makes them unique. We've gotten positive feedback about that. But also, on a more practical side, uh, what I've heard back from pastors and teachers is the scripture index in the back. So for the brethren who may be listening to this podcast, I would like to ask them, have you ever been preparing a class or a Sunday school lesson, right, or something? And you're dealing say just with the doctrine of justification uh you know you're in scripture you know say you're over in galatians or you're in hebrews that's where i'm at right now in a pulpit ministry and you're you know you're hovering around you're working around the doctrine of justification you're like you know i i, I know there's a there's something down in the, the confession i wonder where hebrews this hebrews six would be at in the confession and you, just to be honest, for the sake of time, you don't have 15, 20, 30 minutes to just, you know, and you don't, you're not an encyclopedia. You're not a computer. You don't have it memorized by heart. I'm sure there's a couple of sanctified brothers out there, right, that have it memorized that way. But but most of us don't, right? So um, the scripture index in the back, I mean, you just flip right there to the scripture index. You can find the verse that you're dealing with, you're trying to teach. And now you have a convenient uh, resource to work in the confession or the catechetical standard that you know you want to massage into the body life and into the hearts of the people in your church, you can work it in, and you can you know you can quote from it, or you could say you know this is how the our early particular Baptist forefathers handled this text. Notice you know what they said in the second line of confession. So it's just a it's just a tool. It's just a convenient uh, resource uh, to work in, in in the ministry that way. So that's just a little bit about the first second and. Uh, the Baptist Catechism editions that we've published so far, and uh, we will be this week, uh, I'm sorry, not this week, next week, actually putting on our website the Orthodox Catechism in the same format.
0: Well, thank you for sharing uh, that information, Douglas, as well as uh, a little bit of personal information about your family devotions. It's interesting you bring that up because I always like to tell our church members as well that though we do acknowledge the rich theology and and the biblical basis for creeds and confessions and commentaries and other resources that help us in our study of Scripture. It's so important to be able to, to, to use those resources, in your words, as a springboard to get us back to the Word of God, because it's the Word of God which is our ultimate authority for all matters pertaining to life and godliness And it's the word of God um, that we know, um, as you mentioned, uh, quoting from Romans 10, that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. Uh, So it's so important to um, be able to go resources ultimately back to scripture, which it sounds like PBHB is doing a great job by including both the scripture citations with X as well as the index uh, past lay students of scripture can go to for easy access and hopefully helping them plan some lessons for the edification of God's people if they use those resources in their lesson planning. I also want to mention too, Douglas, I forgot to tell you before our conversation, but um, our listeners will probably need to be on the lookout for this as well. The man of God network is about to begin. Um, doing a little bit of advertising for PBHB with the Covenant Podcast and maybe some of the other shows that are connected with Man of God Network. So um, I, I love all the information you share today, and hopefully we can help disseminate that on behalf of PBHB uh, just to get some additional viewership to the work that you guys are doing. And I know that it will be a rich blessing to the church as a result uh, of getting people acquainted with PBHB. But a little bit about the future here, um, the future plans of PBHB, what would you say, Douglas, um, just as, as much as you would be willing to reveal uh, on the, on the context of today's show, what are some of the media plans or projects that you guys have in the works and maybe some of the more distant projects that you guys are working on releasing?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um. Some exciting things that that we're excited about that's you know coming up within the next thirty days is we have a publication um, that's going to be entitled Pillars of Truth for Baptist Churches and I'm just I'm just right now doing I'm looking at our website on the coming soon page these are announced books that are coming out within the next uh, twelve months um, but that one's right on the. the the verge of being published. So here within the next couple of weeks, that's going to be published. We, we approached that initially under the title, the London standards. And for, you know, the small, the small crowd that is aware of us at this point, we're very, you know, new. um, They may have noticed that we changed the title of that. And we did that directly in consequence of some advice we received uh, from, you know, the advisory board and some other um, Baptist historians, because, in, in 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 a technical sense, the Orthodox Catechism was never accepted by the General Assembly of particular Baptist churches. Um, it, as far as I understand,ing its extant evidence demonstrates that it was only published one time in 1680, uh, and it was published by Hercules Collins for his church. I'm sure that. There was, and this is an argument from silence I'm aware of, of that. It was probably used by, you know, some other people as well. But the issue that the original Orthodox catechism had in it, um, having singing as an ordinance and the laying on of hands is most likely the reason, you know, why it never went through more editions than that. However, when the Orthodox catechism is adapted such as uh, the good folks over at uh, Reformation Baptist Academic Press over at RBAP. Uh, uh, Dr. Richard Barcelos, you know, he did an edition of this with uh, Haken and Weaver some years ago. That's uh, a small paperback edition. I think that's the one that most people have today. That's an abridged. That's an adapted version. And I think the adapt- adaptations that they did were good. Um, I think that what it did is it harmonized the Orthodox catechisms by columns along with the Baptist catechism and the second London. And so they were really more harmonized that way. And so what we're going to do is, is to take the second London, the Baptist catechism and the Orthodox adapted version. We do just for audience sake, uh, you know, we want to be faithful to original republication. So we, we are republishing the original Orthodox catechism for those who are interested in, in having that. But, um, we're going to adapt we're going to take the adapted version and put it in one volume along with the second London and the Baptist catechism and really what our what our desire is with this and what we're excited about it is we're hoping that it becomes for Baptist churches a pew accessory. So we're going to print it you know it's going to be a six by nine book cloth gold foil stamp, and our vision is is we hope and we pray that this will be in the pew uh, in Baptist churches. Uh, that way there can be from the pulpit, you know, a resource in the pew that's going to be durable, you know, last for years to come. Uh, when, you know, a pastor wants to to do a, a catechism answer and question session with the congregation, maybe perhaps with a pew accessory like this, uh, you know, the liturgy of our worship uh, could be, begin to inculcate this doctrinal heritage that we've had, and to a large degree we've lost, but is being recovered amongst Baptist churches. So we're really excited about the Pillars of Truth uh, for Baptist churches, which is about to come out. Um, Another thing that's going to be released in the the near future we're excited about is the Principles and Practices of Regular Baptists. This is a good expression of 19th century Calvinistic Baptist theology, especially here in the Midwest. Um, So that's going to be released. We have uh, probably within the next two months, we're going to republish in two volumes, The Cause of God and Truth by Gill. This is, to my knowledge, and I think most people acknowledge this as well, one of the most robust treatments of the five points of Calvinism that's ever been written. Uh, so we're going to be publishing that in you know, a two-volume set. Uh, this is going to be There's a lot of work talk right now about Gil, and we're very appreciative of a lot of brethren that are drawing focus to him. Um, Like I said, I've been working on this for the last decade. We have currently 13 and maybe 17 volumes worth of Gil's works transcribed. They're not line edited. Uh, We're not interested in doing any kind of adaptation or abridging it. We just want Gil to speak for Gil. And so the cause of God and truth that we're going to put out within the next 30 days is going to be the first two volumes of what we hope will be 13 to 17 volumes of all of Gill's works. And again, that's kind of been in the motion uh, for the last, you know, 10 years. I've been working on that. Um, We have, so that's that's coming up in the near future. You're just asking me things. We're excited about those works. Uh, We're going to redo the works of Dag. uh, And I'm, I'm right now working with some people to try to do the introductions for Dag's work. So those are coming out and folks can go to the particular Baptist Books.com website and go to the coming soon. They'll see kind of things that are kind of being in the works and things that are going to be coming in the future. So, so yeah, that's kind of, we got our, we got our, we got our plate full. We are excited too, that we uh, recently picked up a UK distributor uh, last week, the first shipment went out and it was absolutely shocking the cost <laughs> to ship the books <laughs> over to the UK. So Uh, You know, your audience, please pray for that. Pray that these works would be, you know, disseminated uh, over in the UK as well. It's just interesting. Don't you think it's kind of interesting doing how that we're on this side of the Atlantic? But like, you know, there's this I'm thankful for it, too. I'm really thankful. I'm sensing in the Calvinistic Baptist community. um, There's a there's a there's a real zeal, you know, to retrieve our literary heritage. Uh, I'm 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 just we're really excited about that. Uh, We're excited just too. I don't know who may be listening to the podcast, but we're excited about partnering up with other ministries as well. Um, You know, I'm kind of going off on another track here. I apologize, but I just want to make this plug. You know, if there's brothers out there who have, uh, or other ministries out there who have done some legwork with, you know, the copy editing side, the the line editing, the transcription side of things, it's very costly. Um, You know, it is, it is very costly to get books in this sort of format published. And uh, I just want to make a, you know, an invitation to anybody out there in the Calvinistic Baptist community. It's, it's really essential because of our ecclesiology, the way that we are structured as, you know, most biblical, it is most biblical or ecclesiology in the nature of the church. Uh, we are, you know, under Christ's direct headship. Um, but at the same time that forces us as a community Really, to reach out and connect with one another and work with one another in order to make these sort of things possible. Um, You know, there's other denominations uh, that have a different understanding of the nature of the church. And so they, by default, they have a lot of the machinery and the denominational infrastructure to where these sorts of things are funded. And I believe that that is why, you know, some other societies of Christians have done a lot better job than the Calvinistic Baptist community in preserving their literary heritage. Um, it's really, to a large extent, shameful that Gill, you know, his stuff's not in print. Hercules Collins, his stuff, there's a couple of things. But the 1680 80 Orthodox Catechism, that's just a small sampling of a lot of what uh, Collins has to offer. Benjamin Bedham, why are not his sermons in print? I was reading through some just the other day. I mean, it is good, good preaching. Um, so, you know, it's an open invitation to those who maybe are working on things in their own individual ministry, so forth and so on. We have, a, a an infrastructure that can put these things to print. Please reach out to us. Let's work together as Calvinistic Baptists to put our literary heritage back into the hands of the people in our churches to strengthen them. Uh, we've listed some things that we're kind of working on, but there's so many more out there, Dewey, that I'm sure other people are working on. And, um, and just real excited about you know working together with other folks to 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 bring those into print.
0: Well, you definitely read my mind on two fronts. On the one hand, um, I'm right there with you, Douglas. the The growing resurgence of retrieving and recovering um, our Baptist heritage is has just been extremely encouraging. Um, I know. That uh, the London Lyme is doing some good work uh, with HE on uh, the John Gill Project. And it's just so encouraging to to see how PBHB is uh, coming on uh, track alongside groups like that to, to try to co labor for the retrieval um, of just our, our incredible theological heritage that we enjoy as Calvinistic Baptists. Um, you know, and, and the, the second thing that you mentioned uh, that. Uh, i mentioned you had read my mind as it were the second thing that i wanted to transition into and, and you alluded to it pretty extensively in your previous response but it does take a consistent source of, of financial support for any ministry's longevity and sustainability and in their efforts to accomplish whatever goals that they believe the lord has placed upon their hearts. so i just want to give you the opportunity maybe once more uh feel free to say uh, as much or as little as you feel led to do so, but what are some ways for our listeners who may feel led to support the ministry endeavors of PBHB? How can they get involved? How can they begin to get the ball rolling on their end to offer their support so that PBHB and other groups such as yourself can accomplish their desires to retrieve our Baptistic heritage in literature?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking that, uh, because everyone knows, I mean, the lights, they got to be on a church. And so it does take, you know, financial contributions to do stuff like this. Um, I'm very thankful that, you know, I've been, I keep stressing the fact that we've been working on PBHB for the last decade. Uh, Some people who are familiar with me and my ministry, just at our local church level, I used to, uh, (laughs) actually, if you want an insight real quick before I get to the financial aspect, I used to do a little pamphlet called the Baptist Witness. And this was years ago. I mean, this is like, this is, yeah, this is about 10 years ago. When I first became introduced to the Doctrines of Grace, I thought to myself, oh, oh, okay. So the reason that most Baptist churches in Indiana here where I'm at, the reason that they don't know these things is because, well, they just, they've never been told. Uh, They don't know that, you know, the very first, church, the prod- a first Protestant church, if you allow me that term, in Indiana that was planted down in the southern part before it was even constituted as Indiana, um, the territory, it was a regular Baptist church. It was Isaac McCoy's church. And they didn't know that Isaac McCoy's confession was Calvinistic. So I just need to tell them. So I started off with a color printer, print and stapling these little you know, leaflet, magazine type things, and I mailed them out dude, to over nine hundred Baptist churches in Indiana. Then i I quickly found out that there were some Baptist churches that just decidedly were not Calvinistic because they didn't want to be Calvinistic. So I figured that much out. But then also, people that are familiar with me, you know, I I, I started to get into like paperback books and I was trying to do that. And then just providentially the Lord, you know, over the last 10 years has brought me in a relationship with other people and figuring out how to build the infrastructure and things of that nature. So with all that said, I just give glory to God, you know, um, in my personal business life, he's really just been faithful. Um, He's always opened up doors of opportunity and um, given me the strength and the grace to, you know, lace my boots straps up and do the work. And and we've got this infrastructure built. But now we're at a point, to where I was saying before, is that we need to, since we've laid this foundation, this infrastructure, to be able to put these books into print, we really now need, and it's an absolute vital need, of having a full-time copy editor. And so, uh, you know, the young man who's doing the work now, uh, God bless him, you know, he's he's working at a fair, a fair rate, a fair wage, but you know, brothers and sisters who are listening to this, you know what it takes to make a living, you know, out here. And, um, if you really believe in the importance of preserving, and I think we're going to be talking about here in a moment of why we need to be doing the preserving of our literary heritage and our history. If you think that's important, I I do. I just really ask you to take to heart the needs of a full-time copy editor. Um, because without him this is going to end up this work what we're doing let's just be honest brothers and sisters it's going to end up like a lot of things that get started you know it, yeah we'll we'll produce one or two here and there but we really have the infrastructure right now to just really start putting our our heritage back into print in a quality way but that that cannot be done if we don't have the full-time copy editor who's doing the pre-press legwork that's required. Now, what does that look like? How, how much is that? To be honest, it's not too far-fetched. We were doing the calculations. If we could get 200 subscribers, now I'm talking internationally you? I mean, I would think in the Calvinistic Baptist community, right? We could <laughs> I keep telling you know our church everyone, this is how we need to pray. It, we need 200 people to contribute $25 a month. Um I mean, you know, the big scheme of things, I mean, you know, is it like a just don't eat pizza once a month or something, you know? If we could get 200 individuals or 200 churches, however that mix looks, contribute $25 a month, we would have enough money to cover the salary for a full-time copy editor to ensure that these works are just consistently coming out at a rate that really they deserve. Um, Now, how to support us? We made it extremely convenient. You go to particular Baptist books and you go to the partners page. And when you're there, you see we have some levels of support. You can become. You know, a bronze partner, which is $25 a month. You'll get a personal monthly ministry email from me outlining, you know, just behind the scenes stuff that's kind of going on, kind of, you know, plugging you in that way. Uh, you can take that information, share with your church, things of that nature. And then you, or you can be a silver partner, that's $50 a month. And with that, you'll receive a store item. Uh, one store item, you know, a shirt, coffee mug, a lapel pin, something of that nature. And every three months, you'll get a free book uh, of your choice, whichever one you want from the titles that we publish. And we have, praise be to God, we've gotten our first, since we've made this announcement a month ago, uh, we've got our first gold partner, $100 a month. And uh, as a gold partner, you'll receive everything that I just mentioned. Plus, you'll receive an additional book every single month. Uh, from our list of um, of books and titles. And then lastly, so the way someone could become a partner is a platinum partnership. And that's just really putting up the financial collateral to, to actually publish a whole book, which ranges anywhere from $500 to $1,200. That's, that handles all the pre-press work and that handles all the raw material that's required to bring it into print. And if you choose to do that, you have the um the privilege of being able to dedicate that book on the verso page or the title page in honor of any institution or individual that you would want to do that with. So yeah that's 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 our need really, Huey uh Dewey, that's our need uh, is to really get this salary uh for our copy editor in place uh for at least you know the the near future. We have enough right now between now and this time next year. For his salary. After that, we would just, you know, we're in prayer, Lord, you make a way and we'll see where we go from there. But that's our vital need right now is we're launching this out is to really secure his, his, uh, his salary there. And that's how people can come on board and become our partners with us.
0: we've been discussing the ministry of particular baptist heritage books or pbhb with douglas barger during today's show and we've certainly touched on many fascinating subjects already but in my opinion we've saved the best questions for last douglas to any of our listeners who may be questioning the value of recovering baptist history particularly particular baptist history pun intended (laughs) what would you say to try and persuade them on why this is such an important endeavor in our day. And then maybe after answering that particular question, pun intended once more, (laughs) to those who are listening who already see the value in retrieving and recovering our Baptistic heritage, what final encouragement would you extend to them and their efforts to press on in their study and support of these types of endeavors?
1: Yeah, I... I was thinking about this this question of, you know, what's the importance of doing this? And um, I, ke- I kept thinking back to our Old Testament reading from church this past Sunday. Our Old Testament re- reading right now is going through the book of Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 6, the the charge, as if it's like a courtroom scene, you know, the indictment and the charge is, is, is still being laid out by God. Uh, through his inspired prophet of what the people have done. And I I made the observation in the Old Testament reading that notice how even though the charges are being laid out of their guilt, sprinkled as if it were all through uh, the the indictments against them are cause and ways in which their covenant God was demonstrating that he had not moved, that he was still faithful, that he was still willing to forgive in so much as they would acknowledge their iniquities. And we come to Jeremiah six 16, uh, I'm sure your listeners know that passage. It's where in the middle of this indictment against the people, the Lord inspires Jeremiah to say, you know, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, where's the good way and walk therein and you shall find rest for your soul so here the people have gone off the track they've wondered and they've erred, and they're you know well they were doing all kinds of things but here the lord is telling them part of the remedy dewey was to look to the old paths and and i made the comment when i was reading that uh, beloved that's not a call to some dead tradition no the old paths were the, 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 the paths that were rooted in the covenantal truths that he had already shared with them through their patriarch and their forefathers. And so, one of the means, therefore, for them to get back on the straight and narrow path was to come back to the truths that he had previously established with them, with their forefathers. And so, I would just simply say that the preservation of us as Calvinistic Baptists, of our literary heritage, is important in at least two ways. The first way is it prevents us as the modern church from erring from historical orthodox Christianity, you know. So it so it doesn't happen, we don't want it to happen. It's a good anchor to prevent that from happening. And then secondly, like Israel, uh, just using a parallel here, of course being sensitive to the differences, but at the same time there's a parallel, it helps us to recover truth when we have through our own negligence wandered off the beaten path. So it's an extreme uh call and responsibility for us to retrieve and to preserve and to put back in print our literary heritage. And uh, the second thing too is to understand and re- remember like I was saying to our church, it's not some dead memorial. We're not calling we're not preserving these things as just some dead letter tradition. This this work that God's done in the life of his church, it's a testimony. It's is as if it were an Ebenezer to the powerful operations of God the Spirit in the life of men and women in his church, in our tradition, that he has raised up to be an anchor of truth. I mean, my goodness, if you—if if anyone studies the life of Gil and what Gil did during his time, I mean, he was the reformer of his time. I mean, he is the one who was the pillar of truth during all sorts of controversies, controversies that were going throughout England. And I mean, going back to what I said earlier, you, you, are, you, are we serious? Gills, his his work's not in print? Oh, yeah, sure, it's in print. And you know, there's like six-point type font facsimile, but that's not accessible to pastors and students today. No one's, you know, no one's gonna read that. And so it's this is a testimony, this is an Ebenezer, what God has done. In the life of his church, and particularly Dewey, in the life of our spiritual forefathers, and so if it, it's it's extremely important. It's extremely important, and we just pray that these works, as he would seek to the bless them, would promote gratitude for what God's done in our our history, promote gratitude for the biblical truths that they espoused, and uh, also just encourage us as Baptists today to continue and practice uh, the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints.
0: Well, Douglas, it's been a joy to have you on today's show to talk about your work with particular Baptist heritage books. Thank you so much for joining us today, brother. We wish you every blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of the Covenant Podcast. Amen. Thank you so much, Davey. Yes, sir. And to our listeners, again, we want to encourage you to check out this ministry as soon as you have the opportunity to do so and to offer your support if you feel the Lord leading you in that direction. We have no doubt that God is at work through the ministry of PBHB, so we want to encourage you to co-labor with them in any way that you can as you have opportunities to do so or as you feel led to do so. But until next time, we want to wish you grace and peace from the Covenant Podcast. God bless. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.